Hi there, and welcome to another success story. Today we have Amber. Hi, Amber. Hi. Let's get straight into the question. Why did you become carnivore? Uh, yes, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. I, this is one of my favorite subjects, of course. So, um, yeah, I've had a very, very long journey to get where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I started off with uh, doing the typical restrictive dieting and all that mess, uh, thinking that I could moderate. But I understand now, in retrospect, that I cannot moderate because I'm a pathological sugar addict in remission. But at any time, it, that could change. So I. I went through many eating disorders, exercise disorders, abusing um, diet pills, uh, diuretics, laxatives, you name it. I did it. I've tried every diet out there. Ridiculous. I've lost, you know, 80 to 100 pounds multiple times in my life. That ain't my problem. I can lose the weight and that a problem. But the problem comes in. I can't maintain that because what I've always done to try to uh, lose the weight. Yeah, okay, it works, but you can't maintain it. It's not sustainable. It's miserable. It's awful. Hate it. Yuck. And it feels so, you know, I feel deprived and it makes me angry and I'm hungry and I'm not getting my nutrients. So it just never, ever worked for me. And I I had a bunch of health issues too, along the way, a lot of weight gain. Um, I'm half the weight that I used to be. Um, So it it was one of those things. And in my mid forties, forties, I started having these health issues, uh, pre-diabetes, high, very high blood pressure. I'm talking like stroke level high blood pressure that I let go way too long because I didn't want to admit it. Um, and I, and I'm not a big fan of <laughs> going to doctors. So I'm just going to say that I'm still not. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I kept that hidden for a lot and it, it, until it got really bad. And then just everything started happening. Uh, my rosacea was out of control. Um, Raynaud's syndrome, um, you name it, all these things, just, just all at once just started hitting me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something. So of course I did one of the, you know, everything is about weight. It's always about weight, right? It's not about the help. It's about weight. That's all that matters. So I was like, oh my God, I have to lose weight. So again, here I go again, losing a hundred pounds. Okay. Yay. Go me. Um, I was, you know, some things improved, of course, you know, with weight loss, things to improve. Yes. But I never got to the root of the real issue. It didn't work. And of course, as soon as I hit that, that, you know, point, there I go again, bam, the weight starts coming back on health issues start coming back. Ugh. But I would always catch myself before I I'm, got back up to my highest weight. So yay, that was a good thing. Then um, I just got to the point where I was tired of it. I was sick and tired, just so tired of doing the same old thing, getting the same old result, results. And I, I was just like, ah, you know how the newest thing now is, is it's genetics. That's all that matters. It's just genetics and you can't do anything about it. So I gave into that. Even back then, I was like, okay, this is my genetics. My whole family on my mom's side kind of was like that. So I guess that's true as genetics. Oh, well, I'm done. I'm just done. Then my daughter came across um, some misogynist ketones. And I had never heard of that before. I didn't even hear of ketones. I didn't know what that was. And I studied science and stuff like that in college. So why, why why did that not ever like really ring with me ketones after everything that I've tried? I never heard of a ketogenic diet. Anyway, so I, I I said, this is my last last ditch effort. I'm done after this. I'm just done. And I tried it and I just had this, oh my gosh, moment of clarity. Like, where has this been my whole life? All of a sudden, my gray world turned colors. I had I saw rainbows for the first time in many, many years. And I felt amazing. And I had this energy. So 
me being me, I had to research this thing. Why didn't I know about it? What was the big deal? What are ketones? And what I found out was mind boggling to me being from the diet culture I came from. (laughs) Most of us have. Okay. Especially when you're my age. And so I, I learned about the ketogenic diet and I did that for two years and I thought it was, you know, amazing. I, I lost 80, almost 80 pounds. Um, <laughs> one, another time that I did major weight loss. Um, and I, I, I just loved it. And so I started advocating for it. And my friend and I, he, he's carnivore. He's, we started a, a podcast called Ketovore Cast. And I was a keto person. He was a carnivore person, but he would always tease me. You know, it, it, the road from keto leads to carnivore. It's just a matter of time. So you might as well just do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then there was the, the January, you know, the meat January thing challenge where you only eat meat. And I was like, okay, you know what? If I'm going to talk about keto, I need to do the whole spectrum from, you know, low carb all the way through the strictest carnivore. So let's do it. So I did it. Oh my goodness. I felt so much better digestive wise. And I thought I had fixed all my gut issues on keto, but I had no idea that digestion could feel so good. And then I had got off most of my medication while I was keto, but I still was on one blood pressure medication. I was on four. And so I was still on one and I still had some rosacea. All of that went away. It just, I I had no more medication. Uh, My rosacea had gone away. And until here really recently, the last nine months, I've been really struggling because I've been going through a lot of stress and trauma. And don't let anybody tell you that doesn't affect your health because it does. And even though I changed nothing else, I've been dealing with some acid reflux again and some other issues like that. So it just really sucks. But um, carnivore has made a huge difference for me. Number one, it it's simple. It's just so simple. I don't have to focus on food all day long. Like even on keto, I, I try to reproduce all the things that I used to love, my comfort foods. Hello, I'm a food addict, <laughs> not a good thing. And it was just a matter of time, but luckily that didn't ever happen. But um, yeah, so even on keto, there's things, you know, but carnivore, I have to worry about, you know, all these side dishes and, and having to clean the kitchen, spending two and three hours a night in the kitchen. I don't do that anymore. And so that's wonderful. So my mind is not on food. It's super easy. It gives me more time to do what I need to do. And I get the nutrients that I need. And so for, for once, I mean, like I said here, really recently, some bad stuff happened, but other than that, I mean, I felt amazing and, you know, the rosacea cleared up again, it's come back because all this mess, but um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm almost four years into carnivore um, and I did keto for two. So you can say I've been, you know, six years, I've been on this uh, ketogenic type of journey that's led me all the way to carnivore. And I don't plan on changing anytime soon. Now, will I add some things in here and there? Yeah. And sometimes I do. I I have the occasional mushrooms. Um, I do eat spices. There's a few things I do like that. But for the most part, I'm carnivore. So there you go. There's a long answer. That's a great answer as well. And there was some brilliant things in there where you said you're a pathological sugar addict in remission. And you said any time that could change. So what Mm -hmm. would be the reasons that that could change them? Oh, well, I can give you a perfect example. Um, As I mentioned, this 
got hair in my face. Um, there's been some um, things that happened over the last nine months that have been very, very traumatic to me. And um, you can hear it in my voice right now, but there's just a lot. It's just way too much for, for this little body to handle. And so um, it, it put me in a very vulnerable state because when you talk about sugar addiction, it's just like an alcoholic. You can't go back to the way you used to be when you drank. You can't do that. And it's a constant, um, something you have to work on constantly. And when you allow yourself to get into a vulnerable position, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're stressed, hello, stressed. I've never experienced so much stress in my life that I have this past nine months. And that stress was rough. Let me just tell you, um, that little, that little sugar monster in my brain, that's always there started coming out going, Hey girl, you know, you want some ice cream, you know, you do come on and make you feel better. And let me just tell you, it was hard. It was very hard, but I'm really lucky in the fact that, um, this one lady who is my mentor and in the sugar addiction arena, if you will, she's very well known, Bitten Johnson, she checked on me. She knew, she knew I was in a very vulnerable state and she, she kept, are you sure you're okay? Do we need to talk about some things? Do we, you know, are you watching your triggers? Are you watching, you know, all this kind of stuff. Plus my husband is very aware and he's been my biggest support. He's been with me since I was 15. So he knows my whole journey. He gets it. He understands it. So he, he helps me out there. So I have a lot of support. So, but if I didn't, and if I didn't understand how or what my triggers were, what to look for, those kind of things, I could have been in a lot of trouble and I could be back to square one, one right now. So, I mean, it, it, you just don't know when it's going to happen. It could be one bite. It could be 10 bites. It could be two years from now, but it's going to happen. At some point it will happen. So you're basically playing Russian roulette with your food sobriety. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not worth it. It's just not. Do you feel that carnivore makes the possibility of that happening less so? Oh, absolutely, because it pretty much gets rid of every single trigger food that you can come across. Now, yes, some people can be triggered by a lot of fat, which would, you know, like eating a stick of butter or something like that. that that's a possibility. But generally speaking, it gets rid of all your, your, your let's get real, the, the addictive foods. It's not every food. It is your processed foods. It's your standard American foods. Let's let's just be real. It's your grains. It's you know the flour. It's it's not just the white granulate stuff. It's anything that easily breaks down into glucose. And that's what hurts a sugar addict, somebody who has an addictive brain. So yes, the carnivore diet helps a lot. Matter of fact, that's the protocol I put my clients on if they're willing to go that far. If, if the very least keto with some very specific plants in there. But mostly I try to get my clients at least for 30 days to do carnivore to just help get rid of all of that. You know, it, it just, it just bang, you know, rips that bandaid right off. Sometimes you got to do it. Well, I, I, that's a brilliant answer. Thank you. And, and I love the fact that you're so open, which is partly why I wanted you on, because um, it's very difficult when you're a coach to lay yourself bare and, and, and open to abuse, actually, from other people, you know, but we are real people. And I think it actually helps if you go through it yourself and you, you know, the triggers, then you get that empathy. So I appreciate that. That's, mm -hmm. that's fabulous. That's lighting it up a little bit because there's always going to be people in my comments saying, well, what does she eat? Does she eat one meal a day? So can we do a little bit of practical, a little bit of housekeeping? So what's your sort of meal frequency? 
Okay. Well, let me just start by saying, because of everything I just talked about, it has really wrecked me, uh, wrecked my gut. I'm back to having low stomach acid, which is something I haven't had to deal with uh, since going keto and getting off my um, next thing that I took for eight years every day. So I've had to alter some things, but I'm going to tell you what I generally ate before all this mess happened. Then I kind of tell you what I have to do right now for the time being. Okay. What I would normally do is I would not eat breakfast, but around between 11 and one, somewhere in there, depending on how, how hungry I was, I usually had a hamburger patty. And when I keep my um, now four-year-old granddaughter, she always wants a sculpted burger. So whatever the special animal or, or whatever, it is that day. Um, that's what I sculpt out of hamburger meat. Yes, I do. I've even had to make Elsa. That was hard. And of course it didn't look hundred percent like Elsa, but Hey, the best we can do with meat. Right. So, so that would, that's kind of our thing. And then, um, for dinner, oh, and the, the patty was about eight ounces. Um, and, and I would have it with some butter sometimes, depending on how my fat ratios are going. Um, I I don't have a super high fat, uh, carnivore diet. Uh, you know, of course it is higher fat, but not not like the extreme fat, like you hear some people. Yeah, um, no, that doesn't work for my body. But anyway, so at dinner, it just kind of depends. Um, sometimes I'll have uh, chicken, sometimes salmon, sometimes pork, but it's generally, you know, just the meat, sometimes with butter. Um, sometimes I'll add other stuff separately for my husband just to give him something different because he's really not as much on the bandwagon as I am when it comes to just having meat. He kind of like, kind of need something else me, I could care less, but anyway, so I'll add some of that, but it just kind of really depends. Um, usually, um, it's about six to nine ounces worth of meat. So I'm getting, you know, about a pound to a pound and a quarter of meat a day, generally speaking when I didn't have the issues I'm having right now. Um, but here lately, and so I would eat twice a day, basically. So I would eat, you know, a lunchtime and then somewhere around six, I would eat my dinner. So, um, now because my stomach acid is so low, I've kind of developed, it's getting better already. So yay. Um, an aversion to, especially hamburger meat, which is weird because that was like my staple. That's what I hate all the time. It was not about being a tired of it or any of that stuff that you hear. It's not, it had to do. I really feel that my body, I, I'm very aware of my body these days. I'm very, very aware of what goes on. And I felt like it, you know, my body's like, you know, you're not really being able to digest and absorb, you know, meat like you were because you're kind of messed up right now. And so I had to kind of back off on the protein because it, it to be honest, it kind of gagged me. So all of a sudden I started eating eggs and it's something that I like eggs, but it's just something I didn't have a lot. Now I eat like, I don't know, four to six eggs a day. And uh, so now what I tend to do, I've been trying to uh, have three meals a day, trying to get my hormones and everything back in gear after all this mess with stress and all. And uh, so a lot of times it's stressful, even though it's a good stress, not eating enough is can cause enough stress. Fasting, let's just call it what it is. Fasting can cause stress for certain people. It's not always the best thing to do. And right now for me, it's not a good thing to do. Just like right now for me, coffee is not a good thing. I don't need the caffeine. Anything that stresses out my body in any way, shape or form, I have to get rid of alcohol, you name it. And I mean, not that I drink a lot of alcohol anyway, but occasionally when we go out, I'd have, you know, a drink, not a sugar drink, but um, just a, you know, very typical drink. 
And, um, you know, I've, I've had to cut out all of that. So here we go. I do protein, protein pancakes, but the protein is the all beef protein from equip. Uh, and and I make it with three eggs and I also put some collagen from CB, um, supplements, which I love, um, the caramel one. And I will mix that up and make pancakes out of that. My granddaughter also likes that. So I'll have that in the morning. And then I try, sometimes I'm just not hungry. I can't help it, but I try to eat just a little bit of meat for lunch, whatever it is I I make for my husband, whatever it is, I'll have like a little bit. And I'm talking, when I say a little bit, I'm talking like one to two ounces, but I'm trying to build myself back up again, you know, because I know I'm not eating enough. And uh, for for dinner, it's it's just whatever, you know, I'm making, like I've said before, it could be, um, you know, chicken breast, it could be pork, it could be bison, it could be deer meat, it could be, you know, uh, whatever it is. Um, tonight we're having roast. So, you know, it just kind of depends. And I try my best, but sometimes I'm not even hungry at dinner right now. So, you know, that that's kind of where I sit right now. I'm kind of in a weird place. I've been uh, having to do some um, uh, apple cider vinegar, trying to get my gut back in, in shape and some um, HCL betaine. Um, and also I've been taking some teas that uh, support my liver that has like milk thistle, um, you know, peppermint, uh, you know, some s- stuff like that in it. And it's, it's really pretty good, but uh, I've been doing that too, to just kind of get my body back in shape. And, and it's improving less and less issues with acid reflux or rosacea starting to fade again. It's just going to take some time. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Fabulous. It's really good to hear about the uh, different ways of eating, actually, and how when you're trying to cure something or resolve something, um, you can mix and match what you're doing. I think that's great, Amber. Thank you for that. Now, there will be many listeners, uh, many viewers as well on YouTube, really keen to know if you're prepared to talk about what happened to you. So are you okay with that? Uh, sure, sure. I'm not going to say I won't get emotional. I'll try not to. But yeah, because I think people need to to know that things happen to people, even me. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not. Things aren't always just hunky dory. And I have to adjust and, you know, deal with issues like anybody else. OK, so, yeah. So what was the thing that caused this chronic stress? <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that 2022 was the hardest year of my whole entire life. And I hope to God that I never have to go through this again this bad. But um, in March, my mom was diagnosed. I I found her in her room in just not a good situation. She lives with she lived with us and um, she had slipped out of bed and she couldn't get up and I couldn't get her up. My husband couldn't get her up. So we ended up having to call. Um, and she, she couldn't move her spine. It was just this weird thing. And I noticed she started going really downhill. So that had me worried anyway. Anyway, so we had to call EMS and the fire department and they were able to get her on the stretcher. They took her to the hospital, went to ER after a bunch of tests. They came back and said straight stage four cancer of the liver, the spine and um, bones. And I won't tell you (laughs) what kind of led up to everything that I feel was what happened, but whatever. Anyway, I will just say that in November, she was cleared. She did something in January, March, she was diagnosed. 
April was horrible. I, I became her caregiver. I, I had to feed my mother. I had to wipe her butt. I mean, that's that's something that a daughter doesn't ever. And my mother didn't want that either. We in and out of the hospital because the insurance would only, you know, let her stay for so long. And then once they got her stable, they would send her back home. And it was just this horrible thing back and forth that, you know, they tried the radiation, but she was so weak and she ended up like just pushing up on her wheelchair and snapped her arm right where a lesion was and on her way to a radiation appointment she was in a wheelchair that's how bad it was so she had to have surgery on her arm i mean this was just one thing after another horrible horrible stays in the hospital and then because she couldn't stay in the hospital but we couldn't take care of her any longer then they put her in a rehab center which was a horrible place for her absolutely horrible they they treated her terribly anyway after all this mess happened we were finally, the, the stress was, I'm going to just tell you, it was horrible because of the money situation. She didn't have the money. We didn't have the money to put her in an extended care facility or anything like that. I could no longer take care of her. I physically couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I was going to try, but I, you know, I couldn't anyway. Um, I, I fell completely apart at that point. My husband was like, you know what? Uh, no, this is not okay. We can't, we can't live like this. So he started making phone calls and luckily we came across this beautiful place. It's a hospice in Austin and they are, you know, it's all donations. So we didn't have to pay anything. And immediately when the nurse saw my mother and talked to her, well, she was kind of not so coherent. Um, the nurse said, Oh no, she needs to go straight into our facility. And anyway, so that was traumatic. She passed in June. That was traumatic. <laughs> and then right after that, we had this major issues with our house foundation. Um, it's been going on for a while, but number one, my mom lived with us and we were like, what are we going to do? We have to move all of us out. Cause this was going to be like at least a month process anyways. So it got to the point where we didn't have a choice. So we went straight into the, <laughs> we had to move everything out of our house, every single thing out of our house into a pod in our driveway. We had to move in with my son. And thank God and he had a nice house that had plenty of room and it, it ended up being great. But, you know, who wants to be an imposition, right? That was awful. But um, it, it was probably a good thing for me, honestly, to get out of my house, but whatever. Um, and so they punched 13 huge holes in our house, in our house to do the foundation work. And of course, that tears up the carpet, that tears up everything. And then after all that, it, it was way longer than what they expected because it was so so extensive then because of all that <laughs> plumbing issues were revealed <laughs> so we're talking another three to four weeks of plumbing issue stuff and lots and lots of money <laughs> lots of money i'm just watching it shoo, shoo, and it was this close to my husband retiring and you know i was trying to build my business and I'm trying to so he'd go ahead and retire and we don't have to worry about that anymore and and then all of a sudden, we just had to dump all this money into to this. So that was extremely stressful. And, and seriously, it has been just one thing after another like that. And it was just so much. And then, of course, you know, we finally got moved in right before Christmas. I was, I was able to get my tree up and my decorations up barely. Um, I still have stuff I haven't unpacked. But anyway, so so that was just a lot of stress. And then I was also trying to set up my business and I was trying to do it for my son's house, you know, and it's just been a mess. And seriously, the biggest takeaway, y'all, <laughs> take care of yourself when you're in these situations, stress is going to get you. And what I didn't understand was 
I always kind of poo-pooed away stress. Oh yeah, I know stress is bad and whatever. It ain't that big of a deal. It's it's about diet and exercise and whatever. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> stress will knock you on your booty. And it did me. I mean, everything that I worked so hard to gain, nine months of chronic stress took away from me. And so I kind of, luckily, it's, it's not exactly like starting over, but I'm having to do, you know, work on these things all over again. And it's like, but I didn't change my eating. I didn't change my lifestyle. except for the stress part, obviously. And, and, and look at me, look what happened. I mean, there was some weight gain, which, you know, somebody in, in my position, oh, that's a horrible thing because obviously you would, the way you're eating isn't working because it's all about that, right? I'm here to tell you, no, it's not because I was literally eating half of what I was eating. So all these people who believe calories in, calories out, all that. And what I did eat was quality, good food. So no, no, just don't even at me with that, you know, but it happens. And the acid reflux, that was something that was so awful for me when I was going through that for eight years. I mean, I couldn't even recline without acid gagging me coming up in my mouth. It damaged my teeth. I mean, it was terrible. Um, and it just, this whole area up in here was just like hamburger meat. So, you know, bad stuff that came back and I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? And then the rosacea started blooming again, as I call it. Um, and, um, I, my blood pressure started rising again my blood sugar started rising again, but yet I didn't change the way I ate other than, you know, not being able to eat as much as I did. Um, and you know, that, so there are other factors in life besides just diet and exercising. <laughs> there are other things that matter too. And health is, is, I mean, everything come, goes together. I mean, it, it's, it's not separate units. It, it's, you have to have everything humming along. It's just like a car. If you have, you know, your brakes are broke or, you know, you're out of gas or whatever. It's not just one thing. You've got to have it all working because if you put gas in a car that doesn't have wheels, that's not going to really do you any good, you know? So it, it's, you got to work on, on your body as a whole. I know that was way more than you probably expected. <laughs> no, and I appreciate it, Amber. That's 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 fantastic that you were so honest there. And I think you held it together pretty good because it sounds horrific. Um, I mean, stress. I talk about this. Stress puts weight on people. I mean, the mechanism is there. The adrenals push your blood sugar up. And for, for that stress response to work, your body has to become a little bit insulin resistant. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. That's what happens. That's the physiology. So if you're stressed all the time, you're pushing your blood glucose up because you're in the fight or flight. And for those people that don't believe that physiological insulin resistance, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if your body is trying to put you into fight or flight, if insulin could work and bring it straight back down, you couldn't run away from a tiger. So, it, so but if you constantly have stress and stress on on top of stress, it really is going to put weight on you because it's going to push your insulin up. You saw your blood glucose go up, it puts your blood pressure up. And um, it is definitely underestimated. And I just want to pick up on the calories in, calories out, because I'm always talking about this. My type one diabetics can eat eight, 9,000 calories and still be wasting weight unless they put insulin into themselves. And that's what used to happen. Up until 1922, before we discovered insulin, Type 1 diabetics could would eat and eat and eat, and they would still waste away. So there's the proof that insulin plays a big role. And, of course, when you're stressed, what goes up? 
you also get a bit, a bit of insulin going up, but it's not doing the job it should do. Uh, right. Anyway, I really do appreciate that. So we're lighting it up a little bit more. Um, definitely, you're right. It's not about weight, is it? It's about health, because I think at that moment, if someone had said, you can have your health back, but you're going to stay the weight you are. I think you would say, yeah, I'm definitely up for that. You mentioned weight. So again, I will always get told off if I don't pick up on that. You said you're half the weight you used to be. So yes. So what what did you get to and, and what did you come down to then? All right. Okay. That does not even look remotely like you. <laughs> so there you go. I don't think I need to say much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. If that's okay, just for the um, the thumbnail on YouTube, if you could send me that picture, would you mind sending that picture sure, and, sure. and an after? That would be brilliant. Um, so... Right, that's that's knocked me for six because that was that was a, a, a story I wasn't expecting. So during that time, did you still um, advise people? Were you still able to work as a coach? Oh yes, of course, yes, absolutely. I I did cut back on um, some of the things that I did do. I kind of realized that I just needed to take care of myself. But yes, I was still very much. I was still taking classes. I, I was still in NTP school. I was still in HMA. I was doing these other things, plus taking care of my mother, plus taking care of my uh, granddaughter too. You know, so it's just all everything. Yeah. So uh, when do you when do you think you first realized that you had this sugar addiction? And was it early in your life? <laughs> okay, see, this is what's so, I guess, kind of ironic. I'm not really sure what word you want to use for it. But um, I now understand that my food addiction pretty much started right about the age of 10-ish, somewhere in there. Um, and I always tease that, oh, yeah, I'm a sugar addict because yeah. I, I was into the sweet stuff. That, that was my thing. Um, not going to lie. Of course, I liked bread, too, and all that, of course. But, you know, sugar chocolate specifically was my thing. And uh, it was a joke. I mean, a chocoholic. And so I would joke about sugar addict, but it was just kind of, I didn't really believe it because deep down I thought, uh, there was just something really wrong with me. I was just really broken and, um, I, my willpower didn't, wasn't good or, you know, whatever it was, I just didn't want it bad enough because that's what you're told. Right. If, if you don't, but, but then I got to thinking, well, that's kind of dumb because how many times have I lost weight in my life? I mean, every single time I went on, you know, a plan, I met my goal every single time I met my goal. So obviously willpower wasn't my problem, but um, it wasn't until, let's see, I guess probably two years ago, two, two and a half years ago or so, I was on a quit sugar summit as a speaker. And um, we did this one thing where the speakers kind of came on and people could ask questions. So before it was actually aired or whatever. And I was on there with my mentor, Benton Johnson, which I didn't know her. I didn't know of her at that point, but she said there was something about me as I was talking that she just clued in and she had to talk to me. So afterwards, she got a hold of me and she asked if she could do the sugar diagnostic, which is a sugar use general assessment um, recording. And it's something she helped to develop. Basically, it's kind of like um, the ICD-10 and the DSM-5 that are used to diagnose alcoholics or you know drug users kind of thing. It's kind of been altered and 
and combined into this really nice tool anyway. She said she wanted to do that on me. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, because I knew I didn't have a problem at the time, but she was like, I think you might be interested in this. So I did it and I was like, Oh my God, when she gave me the actual diagnosis that I was a pathological sugar addict, but in remission, I was like, what? Oh my gosh. And then the more I learned about it, the more I understood why I did what I did, why I tried to control the addiction through eating disorders. I was bulimic. I was anorexic. Um, I was a binge eater. Um, you know, again, like I said, I abused multiple, you know, um, the diuretics, the laxatives, the diet pills. And back in the eighties, I'm going to tell you, there was some good diet pills back then. It's not allowed anymore, but, uh, yeah, I did all that. Um, so yeah, it, it's just, yeah, one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, so you only really realized that there was something two years ago that there was a particular thing for, for real. Yeah, like yeah. again, I was kind of looked at it like, yeah, you know, is it really real? But now I understand it, addiction was, is real. It, was it, it a penny dropping moment? Did it sort of make sense of everything you've gone through, and, and did it help in any way knowing that? Oh, it helped tremendously because I didn't understand why I continued to do certain things that I did. And I did some not very good stuff, too. And I won't get into that. But now I understand why I did what I did. It doesn't change anything, but it, it I, I now can come to terms with it because I get it. I get why I did what I did. And, you know, it, it just makes sense. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm a pathological sugar addict in remission. You know, I got a special brain, you know, because I kind of look at it as a superpower because uh, the people who are like me, I'll just say like me, the sugar addicts with the actual addictive brain or anybody with an addictive brain, whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever, they were the ones that would have been the survivors until we made our society a dopamine nation. And to where we're so bombarded with all these addictive substances that that you know, the ones of us who have those brains light up, you know, and that used to not be the way it was. We would have been the ones to survive. We would have been the ones that came up with the ideas that did all this. We tend to be very creative people. We, you know, and so I look at it that way. It's like, it's, it's not my fault. <laughs> it, it's the, the environment we live in. And if you really look at things, even health, so much of that is environment. Yeah. I mean, of course you always got to kind of look at genetics a little bit. It definitely loads the gun, but your environment and your lifestyle is what pulls the trigger. Let's get real. And I'm a perfect example. And every client I work with is a perfect example. I mean, you know, you just kind of got to look at it differently, I think. Yes. And, and in the beginning of right back when your first answer, something you snuck in there was genetics. You mentioned that people tell you it's just genetics. So of course, that isn't true because we can see many people resolve things by changing the way they eat. They're not changing their DNA. So have you got any particular views on this? Um, genetics is the only reason. Uh, yeah, um, you know, because there's such a push for this, especially with the, you know, the the medications coming out and all that. And I am by means not saying not to do these things. I'm not saying they can't be tools by any means if that's what you feel like you need to do. But the issue I have is after doing all that, did you actually fix the original issue? Did you? 
Because if you didn't, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter whether you've had a bariatric surgery, whether you're taking these wonderful drugs that dropped all your weight off as soon as you stop. And you, and if you haven't figured out how to deal with that underlying issue, like for me, sugar addiction, <laughs> it's not going to work. Not long-term. It's not going to work. But yes, genetics does play a, a part. For instance, I am genetically predisposed to addiction. I have the addictive brain. However, that would have never come to fruition if I hadn't put an addictive substance in my mouth. Now, I had no knowledge or understanding or control of when that happened. I do now to a degree. To a degree. I have to work on it. But, uh, you know, when, when you're a kid and you're given ice cream, okay, Guess what? If you're already predisposed, that happens. And then throw in a little trauma somewhere down along the line or whatever to trigger it or something else trigger it. Guess what? You're an addict now. Um, but if I was never exposed to it, I wouldn't be an addict. A food yes. Addict. Let me just say that. I know it sounds so terrible, but um, yeah. So that's the, kind of the way I feel about genetics. Yes, it matters. But there are things you can do. So there are some situations, obviously, obviously, that it, it doesn't matter what you do. Sickle cell anemia. I mean, you know, these things are certain things that obviously, but a lot of the things and, and what we're talking about in particular, like metabolic issues, almost all the time, it can be majorly improved or even reversed. There are certain occasions when it gets too far. Obviously, you can't cure it. But, you know, there's always ways of improving the situation. You don't have to, oh, my gosh, it's in my genetics. I have this gene. I'm automatically going to be that. No, not if you know and you're trying to do something about it. You're, you're doing what was meant to be done to your body. You're not doing anything weird. You're, you're doing what you should have been doing all along. And we just veered so far from that that we don't even know anymore. We don't even know. We think the sun's bad. We think meat's bad. We think fat's bad. We think, you know, eggs are bad. But, you know, it's okay to spray glyphosate on everything. It's, it's okay to put all these dyes and kids foods. Um, it's okay for certain things, if you know what I mean. Um, that's okay. But um, yeah, <laughs> so it, it's a very confusing world we live in right now. It is. I, I, I think you've been fabulous and very open and honest, and it's been quite a journey, really. But should we finish this with a few positive notes? Do you have a few tips to give to people who are contemplating changing the way they're eating or they're already eating this way? Have you got any um, sage advice you'd like to dish out? Yeah, absolutely. One of my biggest things that I like to tell my clients is, and this is something that I always dealt with too, is when I would go on a quote diet, I hate that word anyway, but whatever. Um, I go on a diet and I, like I said, I had willpower like crazy and I did what I needed to do. I never cheated because I, I just don't, I'm just that OCD. I'm just, that's my personality. doesn't mean I'm superwoman or anything. That's just my personality. Sometimes it's not a good thing, but um, yeah. So you look at it and you think you're deprived. Oh my gosh. I can't have the chocolate. I can't have the potatoes. I can't have. Okay. First off, let's just get this over with it. You're an adult. You can eat whatever the heck you want. Okay. There's nobody that's going to be around slapping your hand. Like, you know, the nuns used to do in you know, Catholic school, there's not going to be any of that. Right. So you can eat whatever you want. So there, there's that. 
but look at it differently. Look at it with a different mindset. Instead of saying, I can't have, say, I choose not to have that because I'm choosing me. Because the three second of pleasure, that's all you really get is the first couple of bites, three seconds worth of pleasure from a food worth losing everything that that I want, my health, my looking good, whatever it is. And if you answer differently, if it's worth it, then you'd really need to evaluate if you have a deeper issue like food addiction, okay? Because you should always want your health. You should always want, you know, to better yourself and et cetera. So start making that change right now and thinking that I'm choosing me. I'm choosing me. I don't need that cookie to validate me. I don't need that cookie to fill any voids. I don't need that. I am, you know, choosing me. I'm worth it. And I think a lot of us, and I was there too, I didn't feel I was worth it. And I even said stuff like, why should I bother buying nice clothes or jewelry or makeup? It's like putting lipstick on a pig. I said that. So that mindset's got to go. You are worth it. You're absolutely 100% worth it. And the people that you're around, your family, they need you. They need you. They need you to be healthy. And you can't take care of anybody else unless you take care of yourself. So switch that mindset. Instead of I can't say I'm choosing. I'm choosing. That empowers you. That gives you back the choice. It's not being taken away from you. You are choosing to make a better decision. So that's my big, big, big one. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favor to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.